have a not to do list. <laughs> have a list that you're not going to do things you aren't going to do. So be clear on the things that you you will never do, like offer discounts in the sales process, things that take time. You know, negotiate on salary offers, spending time on Instagram. Like, yep, you know, it's about boundaries. Like, I'm not doing those things. I'm going to stop doing those things. I'm not doing those things anymore. And if you make changes to some of those, and they say they impact other people in your team, you better tell them about it because uh, your renegotiation or your boundaries might come as a surprise to other people. Welcome to Unset at Work. I'm your host, Catherine Stagg-Macy. I'm an executive coach and a team coach, and I'm interested in the conversations that we are not having at work. So let's start with today's question, and yeah, that's your relationship with your to-do list. Who's the real boss of your to-do list? Is it you, or is the to-do list running the show? The chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you've been around the block a few times. This is not your first uh, corporate job, and the techniques that you've used before uh, in previous years maybe aren't working so well for you anymore i'm seeing that happen quite frequently now and like why is that like in my view i think that's because there's just more coming at us each day there's just more decisions more choices to be made from uh, your home life to work life like if you think about if you get a new laptop you know which of the sort of 400 config options do you want to have you've got to make all those choices want to watch a movie on a Friday night and, and chill, then you've got to go through, you know, a thousand options on Netflix. And that's assuming if that's even the platform of your choice, right? So there, I, I think there's this sort of overwhelm of what's coming at us and we need some different ways of looking at this. There's a reason why, you know, the Silicon Valley geeks only wear the same outfit every day. You know, they all have black tops or black pants, whatever it is. You know, President Obama did the same. He only had two color suits to choose from. Because it reduces the number of decisions that we have to make and that protects your brain for more meaningful work uh, and our brain has its limitations. So if you look at some of the best approaches around managing your time and attention, there are some basic principles that underline them. The one is how do we limit choice to not overwhelm the brain? In other words, how do we reduce the number of decisions we have to make in a day? Because that exhausts our prefrontal cortex, you know, the executive functioning of our brain, and then we feel in the day feeling exhausted. The second basic principle is how do we acknowledge or take note of the difference in complexity of the things that are, that are being asked of us? So somebody says, you know, can you sign the expense report for us? Or can you review a 40-page document on mock competition? You know, the, the one that our brain chases and will choose if left to its own devices is the one that's the quick tick because that gives us the dopamine hit, right? But both of them are aligned on our to-do list. So how do we acknowledge the complexity in the, in the task that's on there? And the third one is how do we control our environment for competing against, you know, with us or for our attention? So think of notifications. If you have notifications on, even if you've turned some of them off, there's a lot of competition for your attention. If you're just on your, on your laptop, you're trying to write a report, all those notifications are coming in. Open plan office is another perfect example of competing for your attention. People think that you're physically in the office and therefore available for a conversation because you're in an open plan office. So those are some of the basic principles I think we need to consider when we look at different techniques. And I, and I want to talk to you on this episode today about some of the really great practical approaches that came up in a mastermind group that I run. So my mastermind is, there are two mastermind groups, and it's a really intimate group coaching setting for a small number of sort of mid to senior people who come each month 
with their challenge of the month and they get support from each other and from me. So they sit in the hot seat and explain their challenge and then ask for the kind of help that they want. And one person uh, some months ago came with their frustration about their never-ending to-do list. Smart person, very accomplished, and they're like, I we're just so fed up with my to-do list running me. Can you give me practical advice? And so that's what this episode is born out of. I think we had 12 tips and I've cut them down to 10 here that came from that session. And so I'm going to share those with you. And I'm optimistic you will find one new method to try. You might have tried others that don't work for you or just you just know out of the gate aren't for you. And just know that what, what will work will come down to personal preferences and working styles. I was working with a client the other day who says, I'm so fed up with email, but I, I bizarrely prefer communication on Slack. She's um, neurodivergent and she said it's something about the layout and the user experience of Slack that helps her process exactly the same information that you might get on email than over email. And, and for me, my preference is certainly email over Slack. Does it you know, need this right or wrong? It's like what helps you be your best in the environment. So before we dive in, let me also make this point that this episode and the tips in this episode are not about the psychological reasons why you're not getting to your to-do this, like procrastination, like perfectionism or some sort of fear of failure. Those are very real and can really undermine our intention to getting to your to-do list, but it's not what this is about. That's for another episode. So let's dive in and start with some practical tips. Number one, treat your time like a business. So it's not something we always think about in a corporate setting because we aren't necessarily being charged out by the hour, but how much is your time worth? You know, what's the return on your time? Where's the best return on investment for your time? So when I was relaunching the business in 2020, I decided to do my own, write my own website. Why? Because I've got a tech background and I enjoy mucking about with tech. But in spite of the platform, which was Kajabi, being very intuitive uh, and easy to use, it wasn't easy for me to make it look nice. So I could get the tech right, but I couldn't get the, couldn't get the design right. And it would take me half a morning to finesse a page. And that's an example of bad ROI. It's not a good place for me to be spending my time, right? So part of what's on your to-do list is actually to be on your to-do list and using the ROI filter as a way to address that. Second practical tip here is have a no-fail goal each day. Like what's the one thing that has to happen before anything else? You know, is it that important client call? Is it that proposal that has to get out today? Just having clarity on the one thing is very helpful for the brain to focus on one thing that has to get done aside from everything else this day. Really useful little tip there. Third tip here, know the difference between urgent and important. Urgent is about uh, urgent tasks or conversations, whatever, are demand attention. It's about avoiding disaster. You know, you, you get an urgent email because the client is threatening to cancel the contract or one of your valued team members is, is threatening to resign over something, right? But important is I need to write the go-to-market strategy for our division. I need to plan for the offsite that's coming in six weeks, but I haven't had around to planning the offsite to make the best out of it. Over the client threatening to cancel the contract, one is urgent, one is important, and you have to make decisions. But the thing about important tasks is that if you kick them down the path long enough, they become urgent. So all of a sudden, you know, it's Friday afternoon and the team away day is Tuesday and you don't have, a, you don't have an outline, you don't have a plan, nothing. All of a sudden that becomes urgent. So we need to be clear about what is urgent, what is important, 
playing whack-a-mole with all the urgent stuff in your inbox, because not everything is about a client cancelling the contract, treating your inbox like a -a whack-a-mole urgent task isn't going to be helpful. Some thinking about what's urgent and important and what's where your attention's being dragged to is really useful. Number four, have a not-to-do list. (laughs) Have a list that you're not going to do, things you aren't going to do. So be clear on the things that you, you will never do, like offer discounts in the sales process, you know, things that take time, you know, negotiate on salary offers, spending time on Instagram. Like, yep, you know, it's about boundaries. Like I'm not doing those things. I'm going to stop doing those things. I'm not doing those things anymore. And if you make changes to some of those and they say they impact other people in your team, you better tell them about it because uh, your renegotiation or your boundaries might come as a surprise to other people. So that's number four. Number five, protect your personal life. Have rest and family time in the diary and work back from that. So what's the, what's the thing in your personal life that you really want to happen like fairly consistently? For me, it's pottery. I have a lesson every Friday afternoon. It's in the diary. It's blocked out you know, every time. So I just appear unavailable in my calendar link. So no one ever puts something in there. It's a great way of protecting stuff that will otherwise be compromised when something else goes in the diary. Because if that was left open and someone's like, oh, can we force something in there? And then I'm then I'm throwing out the thing that I want to happen. Maybe it's for you, it's seeing the nativity play or uh, whatever it is. I think we prioritize work over personal life and then resent work over time because you know, we've made all these compromises. But it's on you to protect that time. The chances are you are at a seniority level where that's possible. This is sort of, number six is sort of an addendum. It's related addendum, I suppose. It's If it's not on the calendar, it won't happen. So, for example, like don't tell yourself you're going to go to a gym if there's time because there'll never be time. Like schedule the time. And it also helps others who have access to your calendar know when you're available. I've got a client who blocks off her lunchtime every day. And before that, a habit she started in lockdown, she'd find herself at the end of the day having had no breaks because somebody had seen a gap and just blocked out the entire day. So, yeah, if it's on the calendar, it's not going to happen. Number seven, plan tomorrow's activities list or to-do list at the end of today. I find that such a kind of cleansing way of closing down the day. And it's also a way of, it, it stops your brain waking up to in the morning, kind of reminding you of things that you haven't yet written down. So you close the day and you've got your list of things that you want to be doing tomorrow. Number eight, define your goal or strategy for the year. I mean, it could be a personal goal. It could be the strategy for your division. I mean, either way, there's there's a an intention set at a longer time horizon, and then you back into that. What what needs to be done each quarter in order to achieve that? What needs to be done each month? And you know where this is going. Where does it live in the diary? Like if you need to spend, find two, three hours every few weeks to do some training in order to be de- you to do something, where is that booked out? Because back to an earlier point, if it's not on the calendar, it's not going to happen. Number nine, use email folders to filter emails. This is a vastly underused technique of just sending certain emails into certain folders and then in your own time processing those uh, what's in those folders. So for example, a client of mine has a very difficult boss with very poor impulse control and she finds her boss's emails mostly very triggering and they come in on like you know Friday afternoon at 4.30 and she says she set a rule that sends all her boss's emails to a specific folder and then she chooses her time once a day and addresses everything in that folder and that way you know her attention isn't hijacked when she's trying to do other stuff, even in her inbox. You might have a different use case for that, but I think it's a very compelling use case for that rule of, you know, using email folders. And then number 10, 
And the last one here is use your brain's prime time wisely. Neuroscience tells us that there are times the day, you know, our attention typically for most of us is better at the front end of the day and then slowly deteriorates over the course of the day. There's no um, way of hijacking that or, or, or biohacking that with caffeine or anything else. It's like your, your cognitive abilities are better shortly after you've woken up. There's, some, there's a lot of wisdom in that for us. If we know that and we want to create a new offering or design a, a workshop, when is the best time to do it? So for me, my peak time of creativity and fresh thinking is between 8 and 12 in the morning. So when I want to do new, creative, innovative, sort of deeper thinking stuff, that's when I book it in. Networking calls, coaching calls are fine in the afternoon. I'm, I'm fully present, I'm fully available, but I don't need my deep executive functioning for those. And so, you know, that's a great way of scheduling your diary to the extent that you have that degree of control, obviously, and to maximize when you can make the most of it. So... As I said, not all the suggestions are going to work for you. Remember, this is about personal preferences and, and also the rhythm of the organization that you're in. You will be under some organizational constraints, but I'm wildly optimistic that you'll find one thing in here worth experimenting with. So just find one and trial it over in the next four weeks. And you know, remember just to keep doing it for 28 days you know, to, get, to, to get the brain on board with some new way of doing things, something. Probably to get people around you on board as well if you're changing things that impact other people. That is today's episode, my friends. 10 tips to tame your to-do list. I look forward to hearing which one has resonated. If you like the sound of the mastermind and want to know more information, drop me an email, Catherine at Conversations at the Edge, and we can talk a little more about uh, whether it's the right time for you. And until next week, this is your wingwoman signing off. 